Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Here's the Deal. Today I am joined with Here's the Deal favorite guest, Joe Ivan. Hopefully you listened to his episodes in the first season. Both of them were in the top five listened to episodes for the year. Joe is a therapist and he works specifically with um, eating disorder clients. He's also a licensed integrative psychotherapist. So clearly he is a wealth of knowledge. And today we were talking specifically about the state of mental health as we emerge from the pandemic. But we specifically, you know, move in on how it is affecting our nutrition, our exercise, our relationship with ourselves. Um, And then we also take some time to acknowledge the fact that we have all been through a traumatic event. So no matter what your experience was, and is during this time, your life has been impacted. And we talk about why, how people are coping, what we can do to move forward and, you know, just really look back on this time. And one of my favorite things that Joe said was, we can learn something from this. We need to be honest about how it's impacted our lives. Take a collective exhale. I felt that so much. And then hold a gentle space for ourselves. And I will also say for others. So without further ado, please listen to this episode. Connect with Joe on Instagram. Um, I just... his. His information is in the show notes, but he has Joe's Daily Cup on Instagram, and then his website is joeiben.com. Please enjoy. All right, you guys. So it is 2021, season two of Here's the Deal, and I have not had Joe Iben on yet, but today is the day, and hopefully you've listened to the other episodes we did with him because they were the most listened to. They're absolutely fantastic. And I have no doubt that today is going to be equally amazing. Um, Joe, thanks so much for being here today. Absolutely. Great to great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So if you guys don't know Joe, Joe is a therapist and he's in the Seattle area right now. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to cover a host of things because that's just how it goes. But talking about the effects of the pandemic on our mental health, but also on body image and um, what this has done to our fitness and our eating routines and what this is looking like as we move forward into where we can go do more things, see more people, etc. So, Joe, I mean, <laughs> what's the state of mental health right now? I know, right? It's like mental health month, but I feel like it almost should be considered mental health year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, w- the way that I, I see it is that this you know, experience with COVID and the pandemic um, that we've been in for, you know, 15 months or so, you know, is a bit of a mirror and a a deep window into our culture, into our psychology, um, into the way that we live our lives, obviously. And we've all been affected in some way. And I feel like, um, you know, we can have a lot of hashtags and we can have a lot of banners but I think the reality of getting really in touch and honest about the impact of what this has done to us um, is important. And I find it interesting because it's one of those things where it's almost like people are struggling to have the conversation because there's a certain amount of guilt almost if people are kind of voicing the struggle, you know, a lot of qualifiers. You know, many times people will say things like, oh, I'm so privileged and I'm still working or, you know, everyone's healthy, so I don't have a right to feel this way. Um, and the way, I, the way I related that, so uh, the way I, the And the intervention for the cancer was chemotherapy, but the chemotherapy also caused hair loss and illness and a lot of adverse effects. I don't know if we would have the same idea of saying, oh, I'm experiencing these aspects of chemo, but I better not acknowledge it because it's curing the cancer or it's um, helping the cancer. Mm -hmm. And I find that when it comes to like the isolation, the lockdowns, the stay at home, the um, distancing from people, um, even mask wearing, 
all of those things on many levels can be helpful and preventative for the spread of a virus and to mitigate a virus. They also come with a whole set of and a whole host of issues as well, the ramifications of the way that we've intervened. And it's not about picking a side or saying right, wrong. Like it's about recognizing that the way that we have mitigated a virus culturally mm -hmm. has also caused damage. Um, and on our mental, especially on our mental health, right? And that's what I work with in, in therapy with clients. And so, you know, we can sit forever and debate the science around does this measure give, you know, um, has it prevented more death or has it um, helped mitigate the virus? Um, are the numbers lower? We can sit forever with those components and there's, you know, a conversation to be had, right? Just mm -hmm. not today. Right. Uh, but I would say for me, I look at the aspect of what has it done to our emotional health? And what I see is that collectively um, it has damaged people's mental health and it, it has also created a new normal that we have become accustomed to not connecting, not communicating, and not engaging the way that we have our entire life. Yeah. You know, and I see this for myself because the pandemic was, I'm an introvert, so it was great for me yeah. not to have to come up with an excuse of why I can't go to Fourth of July party. Why I can't do this? Like I didn't have to get my put myself in that awkward situation for me, where I feel like I should. I need to show up for my partner and be, you know, a partner to him and go to see his friends. So I am anxious about okay, what's going to happen this summer when we do have to go to these things? Like it made me more out of touch with people. Yes, but I don't need that. Just because I'm an introvert doesn't mean I don't need connection. I do, but it made me more unconnected, disconnected. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm seeing that a lot in my practice where people are not ready, quote unquote, for things to reopen. And so it's always the conversation of, are you not ready because there's a fear of safety mm -hmm. or a fear of getting ill? Or is it a fear that we're returning back to normal? Like it's like returning back to like engagement, not being able to say, oh, the parade's canceled, the party's canceled, the wedding's canceled, everything's canceled. Now it's like, some things are not canceled anymore. No. no. And so also recognizing that our specific experience with it, everyone's experience is different. Yeah. We're all in the same storm together. Our boats are very, very different. Mm -hmm. But recognizing too, I think that it's more, what I'm seeing is that there's a little bit of denial um, that we have collectively around the damage that this experience has done to everybody. Asking people for over a year to deeply limit any touch and connection that you have with anybody outside of just your household is psychologically traumatizing. Yeah. And it's almost difficult. It's almost difficult to be able to talk about it because it, this pandemic has been so politicized and polarizing that I know even for me when I share like this is causing damage for children in terms of the way that they communicate because they're not able to witness facial expressions I've had people accusing me of like being an anti-science anti-mask person that doesn't care about people uh -huh. that's not accurate I'm just speaking from a level of recognizing the impact yeah. like you know my friends that are teachers talk about like you can't really teach children how to share or engage when there's so much separation mm -hmm. that is going to do some damage to people in terms of into in terms of um damage to kids in terms of how they learn because we're asking people to learn differently we're asking people to communicate differently um this kind of virtual world that is was already a problem prior to the pandemic people spending way too much time in front of the screen I, not wanting to engage with real life people, wanting to do it more through their phone. Now it's like a rewarded behavior. It's mm -hmm. basically like you're saving the world if you only engage with your screen. Yeah. That is not the way we're designed psychologically to be. Mm -hmm. We all know if you want to torture someone, 
you put them in solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. That whole idea of isolated, quarantined, separated behavior is now for many people the norm. Mm -hmm. And that causes deep disconnection. Mm -hmm. It's like a fear to move forward. It's almost like we're all having to get back on an airplane a week after 9-11. Yeah. You know, it's the same type thing. I even noticed in the grocery store this morning, I stopped at the grocery this morning and the cashier was chatting with me and said, I just don't think we're ready to let go of the masks. It's too fast. It's too fast. I don't think we're ready. And I just thought to myself, like, this has been a year plus. And I'm wondering, I didn't ask her because I just didn't, but I was wondering like, when will be a good time? Mm -hmm. And that's always my question. Like I pose a lot of questions. I don't always have a lot of answers, but I have a lot of questions like, when would be a good time? Or, you know, does the vaccine make you feel safe? Is it a false sense of security? Is it um, something that we feel like everyone needs to be vaccinated in order to be safe? Or do we feel safe if we're like, there's so many questions, right? Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that we can't, really forget that we've been under deep trauma over the past year plus. Well, and I think where, um, you know, our worlds collide is, you know, let's say a person comes to me and in the past year they've gained 20 pounds. Well, yeah, yeah. that's not, I mean, that's not like a surprise considering everything that someone has been dealing with. And I don't think people understand the how much of an impact stress has on their physical body in terms of weight gain and then you know if it messes with their sleep that's gonna play into that as well so we have to be more gracious with ourselves like you are dealing with a lot as you were talking about education any teacher that has had to like totally change the way that they teach Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how difficult that is or for all the parents who are working from home and add their kid now at home. That is too much for one person to deal with. So it's okay if you gained 20 pounds. Right. Yeah. And recognizing too, what I find, and I work with a lot of, a lot of my clients around food and body issues. I think that the, the easy thing to point out is people will say things like, oh, during the pandemic, I haven't been as active or my gym closed or my yoga studio closed. Like here in Seattle, you know, my gym closed for a while and then it returned when it reopened. It was very it was changed a lot in terms of the restrictions. And then mm-hmm. we also have to wear masks while we work out, which for me prevents me from being able to work out the way that I like to. It just physically prevents me from being able to do that. Um, people take get a lot of more get a lot more takeout, but I think that those are the easy things to point at. But I really feel like a lot of the weight gain or a lot of the body discomfort or even like people losing their level of fitness is more stress, lack of sleep, overwhelm. And then also too, I find like if if I'm at home more and you're working from home, you're staying home and you're living in the same space, it's, there's no separation. So it's like, if you flip open your laptop and you start working, you close it and you look over and you have a pile of laundry. It's like, it's a bit of a, it takes some mind shifting to be able to recognize that we're kind of operating so differently now. And I think that a way that we feel grounded, the way we feel safe, the way that we de-stress many times is through food and through snacking. So I think it's easy for people to point like, oh, my gym closed or things like that. But I think it's more so the levels of stress that we're all kind of collectively feeling mm-hmm. um, are contributing to that. And then also the idea I think of like, you know, I know for me, when I actually go out and do things or put nice clothes on, I just feel better. Like it enhances my mood. Yep. If I'm just at home working all day in my sweats, A lot of times we can look at that and say, oh, that's, you know, living your best life. That's really fun and relaxing. But I feel like after a little while, that starts to deplete our mood and it starts to create some depression in the system. There's one thing at the very beginning of the pandemic, like last March, where it's like we can make banana bread every day and watch a lot of Netflix shows and kind of just be in our sweats. It's a little bit of like a reprieve. Mm -hmm. But I think as we stay now, or as we are in a year plus, a lot of those behaviors that we kind of glorified as like fun, living your best life, just enjoying yourself are now creating a 
depression for people mm -hmm. and low mood and um, not feeling as connected, uh, feeling more socially isolated. I'm noticing people's anxiety levels, their baseline of anxiety is just high. That's just baseline. Yeah. And then let alone adding things on top of it, whether it be things politically, things culturally, um, how much news people are taking in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I see it all the time in Seattle. Like even after they lifted the mandate about wearing masks outside, I still saw a majority of people wearing masks outdoors and, and very, very separate from each other. So, you know, not six feet, more like 10 feet. Yeah. People like walking across the street when you see someone. And again, it's not about getting into this debate, whether if we're behaving in a way that is helping our culture or is the most um, physically sound to keep us well. Mm -hmm. It's not about that debate. It's about what does it do to our psychology that the second we see someone, our impulse is to walk away from them, not be near them, yes. cross yes. the street, um, have no eye contact or any kind of engagement. And, it, and I think that's the part that's so that I witness as a therapist is so painful because we really struggle collectively to hold two concepts at the same time. We really do. You know, it's very difficult to hold two concepts at the same time that like what we're doing is trying to mitigate a virus and protect ourselves from getting infected. And that same behavior is causing psychological damage to us because it's reinforcing and training the brain to be afraid of people. Mm. To be, yeah, I see it with kids too. Like when we're teaching children to be afraid of people and mm. to not be near them, the long-term ramifications of that are going to be astounding. And we don't even know yet. We have no clue. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, well, you know what? If you're if you're young and you're listening to this, you should go to school to be a therapist because. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone's going to need you. So a couple things I want to talk about, uh, about this. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a fun hater. I love to have fun, but I have good, clean fun. <laughs> And I remember you were like, I hate parades. I, mean, I hate parades. I and like, today I, I talked parades. about how I hate brunch on my Instagram. <laughs> I saw that. I don't, I don't agree with you on the brunch. I'm not a big parade fan, but I, I definitely like me a good brunch sometimes. I get that. That's fair. <laughs> but as people are feeling all these things, like everything is connected. They can't flip and get away. I see also like on my clients turning to wine to yeah. self-soothe. And that all that does is make your anxiety even worse. Yeah. You know, so it, it's all so connected. Are you seeing people drinking more? Unbelievable. Well, the rates of relapse in drugs and alcohol has been the highest I've seen in my career. I would say a lot of the people I work with are alcoholically drinking. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody's gone back and fallen. I shouldn't say everybody, that's hyperbolic. A lot of people have fallen back into behaviors that, were, that felt safe. You know, even for me as a clinician, I struggled more with smoking cigarettes this year than I have in the past 10 years. Wow. Where I've gone back to something that felt safe for me on a regular basis anytime I felt a, a sense of overwhelm, you know, and I was very transparent with clients and said, hey, you know, I'm, I struggle right there with you. I just don't open a bottle of wine, but I definitely look for something that creates that peace inside of me that is familiar. And yeah. that's essentially what addiction is. Addiction, addictive behaviors, compulsive behaviors are the idea that we keep seeking the same experience over and over and over because it creates safety in our nervous system, mm -hmm. even if it is causes damage. So I look at myself, I use myself as an example. I can't think of anything really on the planet available to us that is more toxic than a cigarette. And it provides profound comfort for my nervous system because I know it. And it reminds me of that same experience repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I do think that we also, we live in a culture that's very dominated by social media. And the idea of really dysfunctional behavior is many times glorified and treated as, the oh, day drinking, you know, very yeah. fun. Um, you know, oh, it's a pandemic. So I'm going to eat in a way that, you know, doesn't honor me or I'm going to drink excessively or I'm going to go and I'm going to do whatever because it's a pandemic. I feel like, again, holding two concepts together 
how do we have grace for ourselves, knowing that sometimes we're just trying to survive this. We're just trying to get through the day. We're trying to get through our work. We're trying to support our family. We're trying to support our clients, doing our life, having a little bit of grace for ourselves if we slip and we struggle. But then also not using the COVID pandemic as a way to slide into the pits of really dysfunctional behavior that causes emotional harm to us, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm always negotiating and working with that with myself because I'm a mental health provider. Um, I feel like it's my job to take the best care of myself as I can and look in that proverbial mirror and do my own work and also have some grace for myself when I fuck up, right? But recognizing too that like, we have to be willing to know that in the midst of this crisis that we've experienced in the, in the midst of this difficult year plus, we've got to be willing to take care of ourselves in a way that actually sustains us versus takes away our energy. The drinking is probably the big one I see the most. Yeah. Um, but again, like look at the cultural messages that we had Kylie at the beginning that, you know, um, liquor stores and marijuana shops were essential businesses and gyms and yoga studios were closed. Yeah. So psychologically and subconsciously, that messaging is use this to deal. Mm -hmm. Don't use this to deal because this is, you know, you know, it's dangerous. I, again, a lot of this is so subtle and unconscious. I found that especially at the beginning when, when the gyms and yoga studios were shut down in Seattle, but the liquor stores were open, that was a very unconscious message yep. that it's okay to turn to these things because they're essential. Mm -hmm. But then the things I know for me in my life, like float tanks, meditation, yoga, gym, those things all closed, yep. you know? And I think we're still feeling the ramifications of this messaging around health in our culture when they're giving away donuts to get a vaccine. Like again, it's not about judgment of going to get a Krispy Kreme donut. That's awesome. You want right. a Krispy Kreme donut? Great. But we have gone, we have amnesia and we have cognitive distortion when we're not willing to look at the reality that a big part of the epidemic's um, mortality rate was people that struggled with metabolic disorders. Yes. And we're giving away donuts for people that become vaccinated. That messaging is deeply confusing and I feel like irresponsible. You know, it, it, I would be like, if it's, it would be like basically saying, if you sign up to run a marathon, we're going to give you a coupon to have two Marlboro cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's very true. Mm -hmm. Again, zero judgment of right. the idea of wanting to have donuts, you know, anything that can incentivize someone to take good care of themselves, I'm a fan of. Right. I remember as a little kid getting my booster shots. I'll never forget, like maybe I was probably four. Mm -hmm. And I remember the doctor would give you like a lollipop with the, the booster shot. Like that's kind of our culture, right? We want that like soothing sweetness. But it does feel quite oxymoronical to go, oh, get a donut with a, a, a vaccine shot. And so that again plays into our psychology and our mental health around how do we show up um, as best as we can and try to take good care of ourselves. And we have this kind of messaging that is, in my opinion, um, very contradictory, very fear-based. Mm -hmm. Not really, you know, we say, you know, we do a lot of hashtags, you know, like mental health awareness month is important. Take care of your mental health, reach out, <laughs> you know, but then as soon as we reach out, people don't necessarily want to hear it. Uh, <laughs> I know like uh, when I talk to friends and colleagues around the impact of um, what my, the isolation of my work has done to me, like really missing seeing a majority of my clients in person. Mm -hmm. um, I have no colleagues in my office anymore. They yeah. all work from home. I'm the only one. Um, or I was accused of not being uh, responsible when I was still seeing clients in person, even though I made sure that we were, you know, negative of COVID. I took temperature. We, we sat far from each other in a space. It was mostly like I had to make a decision, like what is more impactful for someone's psychology? Is it to come into my office once a week and see me for an hour or is it to do a Zoom call? Right. You know, and so all of these things that we're kind of working with, 
mm-hmm. you know? And then now we're kind of in this phase, like, so that phase that I've been chatting about with you is, is kind of moving into this new component of, all right, now things are beginning to open up again. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Well, and it's so interesting. This was last Friday here in Denver and I was at the gym and the governor had just made the call that you could take masks off in whatever places. And then the management of the gym had just had their call with corporate and whatever. And they finally said, you can take off your masks. And like everybody was so happy. And it wasn't just to not have your mask on, but like to have that interaction. So someone could see me smiling at them. Like I almost wanted to cry because I haven't, no one's seen me smile at them. I haven't been able to say hi to my friends without my, like, my friends can't see my eyebrows move. That's Botox, right? Like right. you're not seeing my expressions. What I'm saying is hello. Good to see you. But, um, but it's, but we miss that connection. I don't even really want to talk to anybody at the gym, but I want to not talk to them on my terms, not because there's a mask over my face, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. That's the thing. It's like, I think that it is so interesting because it has become so polarizing or it's become so political around putting a mask over our face. I think that it's almost like uh, people feel almost a sense of relief to know that we can remove them, but then also a sense of guilt or fear of like, are we ready to remove them? You know, and again, we can debate that forever. Right. Um, And everybody has their opinion. And I know uh, for me, what I like to do is just offer some um, space for people to feel how they feel and that being okay. Yeah. But what I do know is that psychologically, it has done a number on us to not be able to read people's facial expressions for this long. Yeah. I feel like on some level, it has changed our brain. You know, it's changed our brain the way smartphones changed our brain, right? Like there was a time, Kylie, before smartphones, we actually had to be bored and we had to wonder, (laughs) right? We had to wonder, we had to not know. Uh, We had to be curious and have some patience around not knowing something. In smartphones that we all have, zero wonder for anything. No. Because it's accessible to us immediately. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's changed our brain fundamentally. It's changed our attention span fundamentally. Same thing with covering our faces for so long. It's changed the way we interact. It's changed the way we communicate. It's changed the way we show up. You know, and there's an energy you can feel if you are a little too close to someone or if someone's face is not covered, you can feel in many places an energy of fear. Mm-hmm. It's not about debating if it's right or wrong. It's about going, oh, this has caused some psychological damage. It's caused some psychological stress to our nervous system mm-hmm. uh, to even be debating it or you know, to wonder like, is it safe to go there? Or what are the cases like? Or um, what is this governor doing? Or what's this store doing? Like we're constantly just kind of overwhelmed with that idea. And I'm working with a lot of my clients now around now that things are opening up. um, People are recognizing their own fears around maybe not wanting to say no. During the pandemic, when things were really more locked down or things were canceled, there was no need to really have an excuse why you said no, it just was canceled. Yeah. Or, you know, people struggling with body image of like, oh, I've never had to like show up. I haven't had to wear real clothes for a long time. What am I supposed to do now? Or none of my jeans fit, you know? So really holding space and and understanding that this has changed us. Mm -hmm. Do we want to allow the pandemic to be a mirror into the window inside of us and allow it to highlight who we are our struggles, our insecurities, working with that, having some grace and gentleness with ourselves, or do we want to use the pandemic to be shut down or to be bitter, um, to be angry? And I think that it's easy to go to to the to the anger piece or the bitter piece and frustration. Um, it's been a hard year, but yeah. I do think that we can use this as an opportunity to actually say, well, you know, this this pandemic has kind of revealed some stuff. You know, I never thought that just 
connecting with people and smiling at them in public was that important to me prior to the pandemic. I never paid attention to it in all honesty. I really mm -hmm. didn't. Me either. Yeah. And so I, now knowing how vital that is. Yes. So this guilt thing, um, I want to talk about that real quickly because I feel the guilt when I have clients who live like in Canada and their gyms still are not open. And so they'll hear the ladies in the group saying, oh, it's so great. We got to take our mask off at the gym. Oh, it's so great. We got to go to the gym. And they're like, well, that's awesome for you because we still can't. And so I, I feel that I feel that guilt. Like I'm happy for me, but I'm sad for them. Yeah. They're all on different pages. It's so interesting how it's different wherever you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's like, it's, it would be like, you know, I find that when I talk to friends who hate their job, mm. I will many times feel guilty that I have a job that I love and doesn't feel like work most of the time. Yep. Um, and so there'll be a part of me that will like almost pause because I don't want to sound like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, you know, so I feel like it's the same with the pandemic of like even being celebratory of being able to, um, go to the gym without a mask, The our favorite restaurants opening, going to have beers with friends, like all those things that were normal to us a year and a half ago, to be able to recognize that guilt aspect, if we are experiencing some guilt, to know that like it, it's almost, it's misplaced on some level. Yeah. I think what's really there is the almost exhaustion and post-traumatic stress of what we've all been through. Uh -huh. You know, and again, it's not about labeling us as victims, but we've collectively gone through profound trauma mm -hmm. and we have been inundated with a constant either fear of getting sick or possibly infecting someone else yep. or being isolated from friends and family or a lot of like, you know, as a therapist, one thing that's always rejuvenated me um, is that I try to take really good care of myself and I try to have a full life outside of my office. And so for this past year plus, you know, a majority of those things either got very altered or were taken away. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was grieving that and also knowing, okay, Joe, so you take away all this stuff, you take away all the things that you depend on, what's left? Mm -hmm. It's just me. And that many times can be a brutal wake-up call for us because we're not distracted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's huge. Here's a question that you may not have an answer to. Has there ever been anything like this where like, the collective has gone through something like this? I would say the last thing that I think collectively we've experienced was when we had 9-11. Um, but the difference between that, two, two massive differences. One is it brought us together more as a nation. Mm -hmm. This pandemic, I feel, has split us more. And we're more polarized than ever. So it's the exact opposite of what 9-11 did. Uh -huh. It was also a very short amount of time that we kind of experienced that profound fear of the, <laughs> of the attack. And we also did not have social media at the time. Yeah. That was basically like, social media bullying people into believing like you're either this or you're that. If you don't say this, then that means you feel this way. If you agree with this, then that means you're that. You know, I find regardless of what our personal views are um, on a vaccine, right? I believe it's so, I believe that we have a right to feel the way that we feel. And then we make the choice based on what makes sense for our life and for the collective. Mm -hmm. But we have this space now where it's become really polarizing and bullying. And mm -hmm. so it's on both sides. So it's either like, if you do choose to get the vaccine, you have people that are going to um, be against that choice because they don't think it's smart or they think it's dangerous or they maybe believe that it's unhealthy. Or then if you have people that choose not to get the vaccine, you have people that are calling them irresponsible or not believing in science. You know, and we've become, I feel, unfortunately, collectively so self-righteous about the way we believe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's a response to trauma. Anytime we feel out of control and traumatized, we will try to hyper control. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now 
with the vaccine is that people want to go into a hyper control or more of a self-righteous attitude either way because it, it this is so out of our hands and out of our control and there is somewhat of a mixed message around a lot of the science and so what we do to try to almost make sense of it in our mind is people will say i trust science almost with an arrogance about it where really the question would be what science are you believing <laughs> That's what, a good science are you, what science are you trusting i like to just ask questions and be open to it i'm not into like drawing a line in the sand around many things because i believe that you know once I start to think that I'm really 100% confident about something, I'm given information that proves me wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. The more you know, the more you understand that you don't know. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about this because this is in a previous episode that we did. So when people are feeling out of control, then they want to move into hyper control. Absolutely. Are you seeing that with your eating disorder clients? Absolutely. Yeah. If I hear one more time, I just have to get in shape. I just have to get it together. Uh -huh. I just have to get back on track. And what I, you know, what I do psychologically is work with people around what are you looking to get back on track? It's usually their spirit. It's usually their emotional world. Mm -hmm. You know, that is and many times overwhelming for us to look at the fact that we lost our spirit. We got off track emotionally. So then we go to, I'm going to do paleo. I'm going to do keto. I'm going to do whatever. You know, and again, the way we eat is the way we live. The yes. more, what I find, the more that this pandemic has created an energy for all of us that we really have a very limited amount of control. We really do. Yeah. Very limited amount of control. I've seen people want to hyper-focus and control their diets more mm -hmm. as a way to try to deal. Or the exact opposite. It's like it's the middle ground approach has kind of gone to the wayside. So I see either hyper focus on diet or i'm gonna drink wine in the middle of the afternoon while i'm working <laughs> and i'm like where is that middle ground of some gentle gentleness for ourselves and our humanity and like okay this is where we're at but then also like getting really curious like how does this help me long term and is this something i'm doing because do i need to like do an overhaul in my diet mm -hmm. or do I need just to allow myself to maybe cry because I've been so overwhelmed over the past year? Oh, that word right there, the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who I posted this on social the other day, but they were like, like, what are you sick of feeling? And I was like, overwhelm. overwhelmed. Yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling that, or maybe I'm just projecting onto other people, no. but. <laughs> I think I, I can't think of one person I work with and one person I know personally that's not overwhelmed on some level. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's variance, it's mm -hmm. it's degrees. Yeah. You know, um, but I think that, you know, again, when we're overwhelmed and we feel the heaviness of the world, we will then project that and put that on our body. Mm -hmm. And so the mind will be like, oh, I'm heavy, I'm I feel fat. And I tell people all the time, fat's not a feeling. So tell me yeah. what you do feel, mm -hmm. you know. Tell me what you feel. It's probably fear. It's probably grief. It's probably profound sadness. Those things are hard to sit with, right? They're hard yeah. to process. They're hard to be with. So then the mind is like, you know what? I think I want to try a diet or I'm going to hire a trainer or I'm going to do these things. Uh -huh. And it's like, the more that we're out of control, the more we'll try to control. Mm -hmm. And sitting with this idea, which can be really challenging and, and, and hard, is that sometimes we're overwhelmed. Sometimes we are really scared. We don't know how to how to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we are given information that contradicts our narrative. I know that's happened to me over the past year, mm -hmm. um, probably past few years. I've been I've been stu I've studied, I've learned, or I've witnessed something that has gone against my narrative of what I thought to be true. Mm -hmm. My ego in my mind wants to reject that and say no. This is what I know to be true. Mm -hmm. So my, when I'm in my best self and on my best day, I try to say, okay, I've, I'm now receiving new information that is, allowing, that is alerting me that I have to do something different or I have to change my story. I have to change mm -hmm. the narrative. But just even recently, I was listening to the head of the CDC talk about how it was just within the past few weeks, how we're not in another stage yet. Things are still really concerning. We have to be very aware. We're not over the hump. 
Well, within a two week period, that narrative changed to now you can take off your masks indoors and outdoors if you're fully vaccinated. Those are two conflicting messages yep. from, the same, from the same source. And so again, instead of me wanting to like debate it or get real righteous or angry, I have to take a deep breath and say, all right, it's a shift. I'm being asked to look at this differently or experience this differently. How do I want to proceed? You know, and I think we all are being asked to do that. It's like we're, we have been um, collectively unable to count on a lot of the things that we counted on. That creates fear and disruption in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. We will go to behaviors to try to keep ourselves feeling grounded. Many times we'll go to food. Many times we'll go to alcohol. Many times we'll go to Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, shopping, social media, yeah. all those things, you know? So, I mean, where do, where do we go from here? How can we, I don't know if the word is heal, move forward. Like what is the best thing we can do for ourselves with all this being said? Well, number one, we can't heal anything unless we acknowledge it. Uh. You know, we can't heal anything unless we acknowledge it. So acknowledging the impact, acknowledging what the messaging in our mind is, the story in our mind, looking at our life and, and being honest about how it's impacted it, how it's impacted our sleep, the way we eat, the way we engage, the way we connect our job, you know, our emotional stability, um, our mood. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes just taking a deep breath and, and connecting inward for a moment because we're always being pulled outward, right? We're always being pulled into something next. Like what's the new headline? What's the new post? What's the new thing that we have to pay attention to? What's the guideline? Mm -hmm. You know, for a long time I was waiting you know, for my email box to tell me what was happening with my business in Seattle. Like, what's the new guideline? Like, what do I have to make sure I follow? So where the idea of kind of taking a collective exhale is still pretty scary. I don't know if we've done it yet, but I think that piece is number one. Yeah. And number two, holding exquisite and uh, gentle space for ourselves and being okay with however we're reacting to it. I know for my personality, the idea of returning back to more social things, that enlivens me. For my partner, for example, is a bit more introverted. I don't think it's really a thing for him at all. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't care, you know, whatever. You know, so much more ease around the fact that like things are canceled or, you know, things aren't um, the way that they were a year and a half ago. So however we're approaching it, how do we just have a lot of really, um, a gentle and accepting space for ourselves around the fact for some people returning back to normalized behavior feels really, really empowered. For some people, it's traumatizing, mm -hmm. you know, and also the idea of like, if we do struggle with a baseline of anxiety or a baseline of like maybe some obsessive or compulsive behaviors around germs mm -hmm. or Sounds fear happy. of illness, this time period has actually allowed people to feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Like that anxiety I have around germs or getting sick is actually now the collective norm. Well, now that we've moved into a direction of like, okay, it sounds like things are getting better. Numbers are decreasing. There's more level of safety. So now we can return back to normal behavior-ish. I say ish with, you know, capital letters. Right. Um, that can actually create more anxiety and fear in people that actually felt more comfortable when things were more shut down and they were more isolated. Mm. And so holding space for people around that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a lot of space because it's not, we had to hold space for ourselves, but yeah. we got to hold space for them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. We have some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really has, I would say, you know, I'm never, I've never been a Pollyanna turn that front upside down. Just look at the positive side of this person I feel like that's deeply invalidating and I'm really conscious of not being that way yeah but I can say the pandemic COVID has pulled the veil off a lot of things mm -hmm. and has been a profound divine mirror into our culture mm -hmm. into our psyche 
into for myself all the things that I was distracted with in my life that I didn't think I was distracted with. And when they got taken away, I felt like I had a bit of an identity crisis. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know how to function with all, without all these things. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. You know, I, I don't know what it's, I don't know how to self-soothe when I really just want to hug everybody because that's, yeah. physical touch is deeply important to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we can use this opportunity with our, with looking at our mental health as how has this pandemic shown me who I am on a deeper level? Or we could go back to being asleep because I think Kylie, unfortunately, a lot of us were really asleep before all this happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with the the um, the presidency with with both Joe Biden and um, Donald Trump. I think that a lot of us, I'm speaking for myself especially, when Barack Obama was in president was the president, I was a bit asleep for a while. I thought mm -hmm. things were good. I didn't know a whole lot that was going on. I just kind of thought it was all right. I was yeah. fine with it. I didn't know a lot of government officials and what they did. Yep. Uh, I just kind of lived my life and was, you know, somewhat unconscious a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then over the past five years, I, you know, I think we've been, you know, awake a little bit around stuff. So looking at it from the perspective of our mental health has been deeply compromised. And I think that a lot of people are kind of barely holding on some days, mm -hmm. but it's also an opportunity to say, okay, this is revealed a lot and mm -hmm. I can either work with it and I can maybe call the therapist to make an appointment, mm -hmm. call the coach and set up a consultation, mm -hmm. make, go to that yoga class because I want to breathe and get in touch with my body. Mm -hmm. Realize that like with all the restaurants being closed or um, things being unavailable to us, that cooking from home, cooking at home is actually more nourishing regardless of what it is. Right. Sometimes just cooking at home is more nourishing. It's not about the macronutrients or each specific ingredient, but it's just more nour nourishing. So yeah. can we allow all these things to actually keep us conscious? Mm -hmm. Or do we want to go back <laughs> and bury our heads in the sand again? You know, Which so I, I think it's good. Yeah. But I'm sure somebody can. <laughs> Right. And it's like, this is mental health month. Do we want to just make it mental health month? And that's like a cool hashtag. Mm -hmm. Or do we want to actually honor our spirit, our emotional world and know that it's vital? Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I've learned this year is that taking care of myself and taking care of my health emotionally is number one period, end of story. And I think there's been times in life I got caught in life and I kind of could forget about it. Even though my career as a counselor, you know, I could get caught in the mundane aspect of life. When everything kind of shut down for a little bit and paused, it was a great opportunity to look inward. Even though when I looked inward, there was times it was hard to see mm -hmm. and hard to feel that stuff. Well, and, and to that point too, there are always people who have a hard time doing things for themselves but I also think this is the best thing that you can do for your partner or for your child is to take care of yourself. Absolutely. I know when Pat is doing his work and I'm doing my work, we just run more smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're not going to do it. I love it. I love that you said that Kylie, because I feel like the best thing we can ever do for our partner, the best thing we can ever do for our world is to take good care of ourselves. It's not selfish. Mm -hmm. It's not selfish at all. It's, it has to come within, mm -hmm. it has to, we, ha we have to start with ourselves. Mm -hmm. All of the Facebook and Instagram posts, all of the creating of a sign and all of the rhetoric will do nothing if we're not taking care of ourselves, period. Well, and so I know you're a fan of holistic psychologist. Yes. I'm reading her, but listening to her book right now. And I'm like, you also need to do this for, if you have kids, like you've got to do this for your kids. Just yeah. Can't pass this stuff down. Whatever it is we're working through, it's okay. But we owe it to those little people in our lives to just take care of ourselves. Yeah, because we pass it down. We, and we, we never want to acknowledge it. Like we don't typically want to acknowledge like, oh, I've inherited this from my family of origin mm -hmm. or I'm behaving this way because this was the coping strategy that my mom and dad taught me. It's very similar to, I think, what happens collectively in our culture around this pandemic and what we've all experienced is that it's done 
some psychological damage to us, but a lot of people struggle with acknowledging that. It's very similar to like, you know, most people want to say that they're not affected by advertising. Right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not affected by that. I'm my own person, I'm a free thinker. You know, we love to say things like that, but we are affected, you know, yes. we're deeply affected. I know for me, like I will, I just try to observe myself and I observe myself noticing that I'm being asked to engage with people differently yes. in a way that feels disconnected. Mm -hmm. And the way that I choose to deal with that is for me to keep observing myself operating different and operating disconnected versus thinking that this is okay mm -hmm. and that this is just normal and that this is healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm able to hold two concepts together. I don't think this is psychologically healthy for us to engage the way we've been engaging. And I'm willing to do it because I wanna be a good citizen in my community. Right. And I'm willing to say, this is what's being asked of me because I live in community with people. And I know that it has caused damage. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's psychologically unhealthy, both true. Just mm -hmm. like if I got diagnosed with cancer and I was asked to do a round of chemotherapy I would be willing to, to work with my doctors and say, I'm willing to do this. I also know that this is causing me some issues or causing me some physical trauma because of um, the way I'm being asked to handle the cancer. Mm -hmm. It's the same, you know, I'm, I really think fundamentally, I wanna leave people with this idea and I share this all the time in my therapy with folks is holding two concepts together at the same time that are contradictory. Mm -hmm. It's not taking the other one away. Being able to say the way that we've handled this pandemic as a culture has caused damage to us psychologically is not fighting or getting into a debate that we should have never had a lockdown. Everyone should never have worn a mask and we should all be hanging out 24 seven, you know, kissing each other. Right. I'm not I'm just saying that it has caused psychological trauma for us, both true. Both true. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, as usual, this was so awesome. You guys, I will put Joe's information in the show notes. This was, thank you so much for your time. Like we oh, need absolutely. you. Absolutely. I have looked back all my notes. Wow. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, until next time, thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.